0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. I do tend to get quite graphic in a, in a bodily functions way, if that's all right. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Because I have to justify the title. <laughs> yeah, go for it. That's
0: okay. Let's see what comes out.
1: Hello, I'm Beth Mori, and this is One Torn Every Minute, the podcast where we talk about giving birth. Today, I'm joined by the spectacular singer-songwriter, Sophie Ellis-Bexter. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sophie, can we um, plunge a hand straight up your
0: cervix? Uh, <laughs> Go for it. By summarising how many times that you have given birth and when. So I've had five babies. Um, my eldest is 16 now and my youngest is one. Um, so yeah, fairly given birth fairly regularly over the last decade and a half. <laughs> um, although I've actually only ever had caesareans I've never had a natural birth Which we can sh- to talk about <laughs> That is
1: really interesting And we love a mix of um, vaginal And <laughs> I can't say it unless I say it like Miranda I'm so sorry Vaginal <laughs> um, and caesarean births we, we love the <laughs> di- diversity <laughs> um, You are indeed then an expert in caesareans
0: Five times Yeah, yeah, and actually they did sort of get easier the more I had. I didn't want to have a cesarean at all. Um, I wanted to have a natural birth uh, with my first baby and Mm. I'd been reading up about it lots and I wanted to have what um, I think is called an active birth where you're basically allowed to sort of walk around and listen to music and kind of go with the flow, really. Um, I thought that sounded cool. I was uh, feeling uh, sort of quite, uh, what's the word? Is it excited about the idea of seeing how well I would cope in childbirth?
1: (laughs) I think it's also known as naive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably right. Um, But I never got to experience it. I've never had labour. I got to about seven months pregnant and I just wasn't coping very well with pregnancy at all. I felt lousy. I didn't feel like I was blooming. I felt unattractive and puffy and just a bit wrong really Mm. Um, or even in
1: the first time because lots of people feel okay in the first time when you don't have a child to look after but then i was really
0: struggling um i thought i was going to really love it and i just was not it just wasn't really suiting me and i remember thinking oh well maybe i'm just one of those people who just isn't very good at this um and then i went uh for a checkup a routine checkup and obviously i was like 24 year old. Uh, mother to be so I was under um, the sort of minimal amount of supervision really because I should have been low risk for lots of things Mm. so I'd gone along for a a checkup with a midwife and she said oh your blood pressure is really high actually can you take these pills and come back on Monday to have a check and she's like you don't need to make an appointment or anything just just pop in and see us and we'll just check your blood pressure and see how well you're, you're responding and over the weekend I did some reading up and I read a chapter of my pregnancy book and it was only a really small bit really where it sort of talked about anything not going to plan um and it said something about something called preeclampsia
1: mm. and it
0: listed all the symptoms and i thought that's me i just know it already i know that's what it is and it was both like really scary and also a bit of a relief yeah. so the next day i went for my checkup and richard couldn't find any parking space so i just sort of ran in didn't have anything with me and they took my blood pressure and they were like you're not leaving you're not going home and you're gonna have your baby this week Wow um, and how how pregnant were you did you say only 7 months? Yeah, I was 30 I think I was 31 weeks. Um so I thought I had ages to go, you know, I hadn't had my antenatal classes, I hadn't packed a baby bag, I hadn't even bought anything for my baby actually. Um, wow. And Richard had only moved in to start living with me 3 weeks before. Um because we'd only been going out for 6 months 6 uh, weeks when we found out we have a baby anyway. <laughs> so it was all a bit fast forward. Really. That
1: is quick <laughs> by any standard. I know, I know. Um. um yeah. I'm, so I, I've got so many questions now because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, you didn't enjoy being pregnant. Uh, you have this quite scary experience and mm. you have gone on to have five children. So I'm thinking trooper. Um,
0: yes. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think f- it is being a trooper, actually. I think it probably goes back to that word used before. It's like naivety, really. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> Yeah, but you're an old hand now. You you know you know how it works.
0: Um, <laughs> I know bits about how it works. I feel like I'm I might have experience, but I'm not an expert. That's how I sort of feel about myself, really. Yeah. Um, and I um I think the pregnancies have got easier, um, luckily. And I think basically I had so I had my first two really early. I got ill again with my second. But I kept asking the consultant. I quite liked the idea of having a big family. And actually, my second pregnancy, I enjoyed a lot more. I felt fit and healthy and active. Um, so when I got sick, I was quite surprised because I hadn't been feeling rubbish like I did the first time around. Yeah. But then I um, I also just, uh, yeah, I felt like I just want to have more babies. And I asked the consultant. They said, oh, no, you've been quite unlucky, really, to, um, to have got ill twice. So... But you should be alright the third time, basically. <laughs> so I kind of thought that was enough for me
1: to give it a shot. Um, well, what I do in this podcast is I ask—I would never ask anybody to choose their favourite child, but I do <laughs> actually ask you to choose favourite child in this podcast. Um, in that I like to choose one birth to focus on, so we tell mm-hmm. the story of that birth while dipping sure. into the others. Um, and obviously by favourite, I sort of mean the opposite of that. Like, what's yeah, yeah. the kind of most dramatic and interesting birth? um according Mm. to you what do you think
0: that's really tricky to answer actually because it's often um, the first but not always yeah no I think well the most traumatic was definitely the second I think that was the one that really um affected Richard and I a lot more because Mm. with the first one I mean yes we had a premature baby but it was still our first baby and we were really excited that he was here and yeah and also my sister was born really early when I was 11. So I'd sort of seen a happy ending come out of a premature baby. And I I think once he'd had all his initial checks and he was, you know, his birth weight was all right and his gestation was all right. So I was kind of, I focused on the positive. But then with my second, he was born a bit earlier, a bit smaller, a bit more complications. And I think yeah. that one was the one where we just thought, oh wow, this, this could really not, not go as well for us. Yeah. yeah. So to take you to that second one, when, when, what year are we talking? Uh, So that was 2009, uh, the beginning of that year. So I, uh, my first um, child, Sonny, was nearly five, actually. Um, I think he was about four and a half when I got pregnant. So it was really near Mm. his fifth birthday when when Kit was born. And I'd been having this really good pregnancy, actually, um, having been so ill with my first one. I was really enjoying being pregnant the second time. And I kept really, it was a bit weird. I think I went a bit loopy. I was, I'd never been a gym bunny in my whole life, but I started going to the gym after I had Sunny. And so when I was pregnant with kids, I started going to the gym a lot. And I felt like, yep, I can do this. So I was going three times a week. And I even took up this really weird martial art called Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally only done in my life during that one pregnancy. It's like, I look back on i so out of character.
1: That is so <laughs> odd. Do you think it really was the odd. fetus like,
0: talking uh, to you <laughs> i think what it was is that um i'd felt probably a little bit out of control with the first pregnancy and yes it, i think this was a way of me feeling like no i'm feeling great and um I, I felt quite sort of trim so i was sort of one of the this is not by the way how i am now so i can talk about it in reflection because it's not <laughs> me now but at the time i was sort of quite, almost quite athletic and i had this kind of quite neat baby bump and i think i just felt really really clever like look at me i'm doing so much <laughs> But funnily enough, I think that's also probably why I got ill. Because you were
1: doing too much.
0: Yeah, I think I was raising my blood pressure and my heart rate, actually, with the mm. exercise. Um, and look, there's still loads of research going on now about preeclampsia. But my own theory is that my exercising and my... Because I had a lot of stress with my first pregnancy. So I think that raised my, my heart up. But I think with the second one, it was exercise. So since then, for the last three pregnancies, when I'm pregnant, I don't do any cardio, nothing like that. I keep my life as peaceful as possible. Uh Well, that's quite good,
1: really, isn't it? Because it allows Mm. you to, um, you know,
0: put your feet up. Well, I wouldn't say I stop work. I quite like working when I'm pregnant, but I Mm. do, I just definitely don't go to the gym and try and be really silly active. For me, it just didn't suit my, I felt like it wasn't right for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd been been really active with my second pregnancy. And and in fact, I found out I was ill by accident because um, I had a gig I was supposed to do in Russia. And my consultant, I, I'd said to her, oh, can I have one of those letters that means I can still fly?
1: How pregnant so 30, were you at that point? I
0: was 30 weeks. <gasps> um, so, wow. And she was like, well, you can, but you, you have to promise me you'll come and see me for a checkup the day before you fly. So I actually already had the bit of paper, so I could have just not bothered going and just gone away. Mm. But I was like, ah, no, I better go um, and see her. I promised I would. And when I got there, she was just, she said to me, oh, I'm so sorry, but you're not going anywhere. In fact, you shouldn't even really go home. I should put you in hospital, but I'm gonna let you go home and I'm gonna let you pack your bag and you've got days left before you have this baby, not weeks. (sighs) So we kind of So no Russia. (laughs) No, no Russia. Um, so I kind of walked home in a bit of a daze really with Richard and we just couldn't quite believe it was happening again
1: Um, and were you hoping to have a a natural birth having had the cesarean first time round or was that made clear that you weren't going to be able to
0: no no I'd hoped to have a natural birth in fact I also tried to have a natural birth on my third um I was really keen on it I I think you know uh, what an amazing thing that we're so lucky in the western world with the healthcare, but but I think I think it's quite a rude ending to pregnancy if you're you know, seven months pregnant, and then that's the end of it. Because there's so many stages. And when you read a pregnancy book, it's also fixated on the full nine months. So when you miss out on the last two, it feels really odd. Yes. Um. I mean, two
1: weeks would be okay. Mine came two weeks early, and that felt like a shock. But two months is just, it must be just such a fundamental shaking you to your core because you expect to have a certain amount of time and you don't have it.
0: Yeah. And also there's lots of things that happen at the end of pregnancy um, to get your baby ready. So their lungs aren't as developed. There's, you know, parts of, um, yeah, their their mental and physical development. And nature's really clever. It does it in stages. So you don't have your lungs prepared because you're not going to need them just yet. So that all happens at the end. Um, So if you're having a baby early, they'll give you steroids to try and give a last minute boost to their lungs. Um, And then they're born Um, trying to hit three markers, really. So they're aiming to get them so they can feed by themselves, they can monitor their temperature by themselves, and they're monitoring their breathing by themselves. Those are the three things. They have to hit those marks before they can be discharged. Um, So yeah, when Kit was born, um, it turned out that my placenta hadn't been working very well. So he was really tiny. He was only two and a half pounds. (gasps) That's Um, so tiny. He really was. He he should have been probably more like, I don't know, like three pound four or something like that. But he was, yeah, two pound six. So. so yeah, it just there was this microscopic little thing and I just felt like I'd really let him down actually.
1: <laughs> well, I mean that's that is a common emotion in in pregnancy and indeed motherhood is to feel mm. like you're you've let someone down. Yeah. Um but just to take you <laughs> back to that moment when the doctor said you ain't going to rush it, you're probably yep. coming back to hospital. What happened next? Did you you went home and
0: packed a bag is that? I did pack a bag and they put me on some pills, very very strong pills this time to try and lower my blood pressure. Um and they were so strong, it basically turned me into sort of Eeyore type. And I remember my mum and my sister coming around to visit me. And I decided that day that I was going to bake a pie. And I basically spent the entire day <laughs> baking this pie. <laughs> my Everything, my thoughts were so laboured. Um, but, you know, I made the pie. But, uh, yeah, it was just a really weird day. <laughs> um, you've learned your martial art and you've made your pie. <laughs> exactly. We're a pregnancy.
1: Um, yeah, sending you off at very strange tangents. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so yeah, that was on that was on a Wednesday. Thinking on Thursday, I went to hospital, and then I think they delivered him on the Saturday because they basically monitor you really carefully and try and every day further you get is sort of seen as a really important thing. So, so yeah, he was born at 31 weeks in the end. Mm. And with other um, uh, caesareans uh, that
1: I've heard about, um, mm. you, there's a kind of triage, and you sort of arrive in the morning of your planned caesarean, mm. having had nil by mouth. Yeah, And then you kind of wait and they sort of order the caesareans in terms of who's most uh, most of an emergency. Yeah, exactly. And I've yeah. heard about people having to wait. Did you have to wait a long time or no. were you sort
0: of straight in? I I was that emergency. I was the person oh, right. who went in front of other people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically with, with my first and second baby, I was really quite unwell. And I don't know how much you know about preecampsia. I mean, I wouldn't know about if Anne had it. Not um, really, not much. But, Okay, so the eclampsia comes from the Greek word for coma, or lightning, actually. But it's basically, it happens really quick. So if they don't get it right, then the mother can go into a coma and die. So it, in the olden yeah. days, it was the most common cause for um, for maternal death. And it's most common in first pregnancies. Um, and it can ha- it's quite a bespoke illness. So for some women, they can have a sort of bubbling pre-eclampsia that they can monitor and it responds really well to the drugs and with other women it's like a runaway train and they try and halt it and it doesn't really work so with me both of those ones I'd the, diff, the time between diagnosis and delivery was really quick and then I was also quite ill after I had kit I went into intensive care because my symptoms just didn't really alleviate so he went straight to an incubator and I went to intensive care so I didn't really see him that much for the first couple of days.
1: Do you feel that like you know that whole that whole experience having to go in so suddenly and all this worry. I mean, did it take away from the joy of that experience, experience, the one that we always associate with that experience, the excitement?
0: Yeah, I'd say yes and no, because um, I'm quite a sort of pragmatic kind of person. So in my mind, there was never an alternative reality where I was walking around a sunny street with my baby in a pram. You know, I was either going to be still pregnant or we were both going to be in hospital that I didn't really... I couldn't really see a third option so yeah uh, I suppose the bit that I found tricky really is that when your baby's in hospital you you get discharged but your baby's still there so Kit was there for um for six weeks and so you've got this bit where you're going in and visiting but I also had a little baby, you know kid at home so life is continuing with that and people don't know if they're supposed to say congratulations and as new parents Richard and I were able to go to the hospital, visit Kit, and then go and sit in a restaurant and have supper nearby the hospital. So in a weird way, you're like, you know, you've got a newborn, but you're out having time together, like all these things are sort of happening in a weird order. Um, Yes.
1: And I imagine, you know, there's a kind of, you know, you're not looking after a baby, but on the other hand, it's not right that
0: you're not looking after a baby and it must be awful. Yeah, it just makes you feel a bit discombobulated, really. And there's lots of, you know, medical treatment going on and... When you get there, you've got to sterilize your hands over and over before you touch your baby. And you don't really look at the other babies that are in the same room because they're regarded as patients. Mm. So, And if you see another parent in there, you tend not to really talk to them on eye contact because everybody's going through their own thing and you don't know if it's appropriate that you chat. Um, And yeah, and I mean, I remember one time um, going to visit actually my first baby and I went into the room he'd always been in, and he just wasn't there. And they'd moved him through the night into another room, um, and they dressed him. So I didn't—I wasn't the first person to put his clothes on. No. Um, you know, but but it's okay because I've—I I've, really feel we're so lucky because we were always heading towards the day when they'd been discharged. You know, it just there are so many people where that they don't—they're not. It's not like um, got any momentum to it, you know, or or the shape of things has got a lot more uncertainty. So for me, I was like, well, this is obviously not ideal, but they're getting all the care and sooner or later, they'll be strong enough to come home and then we can kind of start again and say, I know, OK, meet my baby.
1: I mean, hard as childbirth is, I mean, we live in a time at least where we're lucky enough to receive care. And as you have pointed out, you know, yeah. 100 200 years ago that would not have been the case but it still it just sounds so tough um to go through that can i take you back to um that cesarean um Mm. uh, can i ask you about drugs Um, (laughs) (laughs) because it's a big topic of conversation whether you're giving birth naturally or by cesarean Mm. um everyone's intrigued by the drugs that we get given and whether we react to them nicely did you have is it is it like an epidural for a cesarean where they just do a full-on block
0: Exactly, so that you can be as. I mean, poor Richard, he made the <laughs> schoolboy <laughs> error of standing up to see the baby while I was on the operating table. And I think that's really not recommended. <laughs> you were scarred for life, he was <laughs> scarred for life. I was actually fine. I, I was like my top half, my normal top half, but he looked over the curtain. So he's seen he parts decided of he me wouldn't. Never see. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's overexcited and thought, oh, <laughs> the baby's out. And then it's like, oh, and so is my wife's innards. <laughs>
1: Hello, I'm Jack Beaumont. I do crime club. In series one, I spoke to people like this. Did you not kick a policeman in the head? Yeah, that was. When was that? I was 17. Wait, was I 17 or 19? I think I might have been 19, actually.
0: In series two, I talked to people like this. There was a paedophile with one leg. I kicked him clean
1: out of his wheelchair. About four of us. I mean, we battered him. And this. Cheated on your
0: boyfriend to give him gonorrhea? Do you want to go there? Would you rather not?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. I can talk about it. I have jingles like this. <laughs> <in the> <laughs> That's Crime Club, where strange people tell stories involving bad behavior. New episodes out every Monday. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. We talk about that as well, the fact that, I mean, often I, I'm not very sympathetic towards my husband when I give birth um, because I'm just not that nice, um, but how dreadful it is for them that you're going through this atrocious thing and they are completely powerless. There's nothing they can do, they don't know what's going on and it's really horrible to not be able to do anything and have your hands tied, metaphorically. Um, did he feel that? Was he a tower of strength or was he sneaking off to pret manger <laughs>
0: You know, he's brilliant, actually. I mean, Richard is uh, the opposite to me in a crisis, really. He's sort of calm and together and quite practical. So, no, I could really... um, Every time I've had a baby, um, it's the time when I'm also allowed to properly switch off. And to be honest, I put myself in that equation a little bit too because I'm actually quite a bad patient. So I think Richard and my mum and people around me are quite good at being like, no, no, you have just focus on taking your time. I can always be in a little bit of a hurry. To, yeah. to get better, to get up, to get and do things because I feel awkward about taking time off. But no, Rich has been really good. <laughs> at... Taking time off to give birth. <laughs> well, yeah, because, I mean, it's so weird. But at the time, because the baby had come early as well, I mean, I remember my manager coming to see me to visit. So I think I was definitely still in hospital. I remember him sitting on my hospital bed. So I must've been within a week. And he literally said to me, good news, we're bringing out this single. That I've recorded, and he's like, and hey, we'll record the video in 10 weeks. So, literally 10 weeks later, I was on set doing a video, and my best friend from school was helping me do my milk. So, every three hours on the video set, she'd come and say, Okay, it's time for you to go and express. I mean, oh my weird... God. It's barking. What the hell was I doing?
1: I thought you were going to say your manager came and said, Listen, we've rescheduled a flight to Russia. You'll be on a plane.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't have surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um you mentioning your mum um makes me realise um I've got a fun fact for you. Oh, I go um, for it. My fun fact is that we are linked by birth. Yeah. Um your mum presented Blue Peter with Peter Duncan mm-hmm who is married to my lovely midwife for my second Annie. child. Yes. Ah, oh she yes. was my midwife. A Amazing. wonderful, wonderful midwife. I would marry her if I could. Oh, um, yeah. I've heard she was so good. lovely things about her midwifery. Oh, dreams. God, she was good. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know where second childbirth cousins want to move <laughs> in some way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I just want to take you, uh, having talked about the drugs, um, mm. this sort of block that they do... Did it work? I mean, were you numb? Could you feel yeah. anything?
0: No, you can't feel anything at all. Um, but you are also completely awake. So, you know, you lie there and we had music playing and uh, we'd made like a little, I think it was a CD back then of, you know, a little playlist and, and I was chatting away and it's quite surreal because the surgeon and the consultant and all the um, doctors, they're all sort of chatting to each other and talking about their plans for the weekend and <laughs> it's all very odd. But... um but I quite like the oddness of that because I like, I'm like. i reassured by the fact that it's very normal. I mean, they'll mm. do... I don't know how many C-sections a day. So I I've, I find that all really comforting. I quite like the sort of mundane stuff that runs alongside the big drama of it all, really.
1: I agree. I find... Because they've obviously seen it a thousand times and when they're slightly bored or uninterested in it, that actually is quite comforting because you realise just how normal you are. Exactly. And it, yeah. it can be very reassuring. Yeah. Um, when... Um, when they uh sort of lifted the baby out mm. um once richard had, had fainted or whatever to get over um presumably uh, he was too small for you to hold or i mean how did how did that work
0: yeah when they're um with my first and second baby i didn't hold them and everyone they go straight into an incubator and um they start giving them assistance with their breathing and check things they do things like check to see if there's any bleeding on the brain and any other traumas that can happen to early babies. Um, and then it's just a matter of uh, starting to fatten them up. And, yeah. and so I normally, with those two, I went straight into trying to get my milk started and trying to express and all this kind of thing. Because uh, when you've got a very heavily medicalized birth in terms of your baby and you, it, gi- it just gave me something to focus on. Um, yes. That I felt was the the one thing I could do that the doctors couldn't do. Nature taking um, its course. Yeah, exactly. But also, just gave me a role. Otherwise, it mm. was the one thing that always meant I was a new mum. Yeah. Um, and it's not very easy, actually. And when Kit was three days old, um, he they found out basically he it's quite common for premature babies to have partially collapsed lungs. It's just quite a normal thing with their tiny little lungs trying to develop. Yeah. So that happened to Kit on the first day and they'd helped him out with all of that, but then by three days, he just wasn't really tolerating his feeds. Um, and they couldn't really work out why, and then they realized it's because his other lung had collapsed. um so they had to put him on full respiration and and morphine so he was just like poor little maggot we couldn't pick him up or anything like that so he was in a box for a week on on this full respirator and so for that I was still expressing milk but he wasn't having any so I felt um I felt actually quite yeah just quite useful just gave me a thing I could focus on Mm. that meant I was still somehow connected to him and did you find breastfeeding difficult how was it for you uh breastfeeding well they can't babies don't have a sucking reflex till they're 36 weeks um sometimes it mm. happens a little bit earlier but they literally can't can't feed from you before then because they haven't learned how yeah so um that always came a little bit later um and with sunny my first it it'd actually been fine we'd sort of i'd managed to keep my milk going well enough that when i was feeding him it was all fine but with kit i'd had a massive supply and obviously this backlog when he was unable to eat anything so i'd put it all in the freezer and we were Fine for a while, but actually, when he when he finally came home, I couldn't keep up with him actually. And I think <laughs> I I really think they've given me like maybe not the best advice because I was sort of doing it I think every four hours. But now that I've had three full term babies, I know what a machine they are. They're so clever, and mm. actually, they're kind of getting your milk stimulated for weeks you know like the first sort of six <laughs> to eight weeks you just got a baby yeah. on your boob like all the time so just a cow really yeah exactly but um it just i just you know i've been doing it the same way around the clock with the um with the pump breast pump and it just it just didn't match match kit so i think i felt a bit lousy really so i, I managed to sort of um limp my way through to i think three and a half four months and then i just had to stop i couldn't keep it going
1: well that's the most important bit really isn't it so you know at least you've got yeah, that known. or
0: anything actually you know what i honestly I mean you can't look around a room full of adults and work out who's been breastfed and who's been bottle fed it, nope. i actually think you could feed them bottles from it's actually most important about what makes you feel good so mm. i felt useful that i had done the beginning bit but I honestly like no judgment at all with anyone doesn't doesn't want to do it or can't do it it's not it's it's sometimes really hard i mean i've even with my third I like, i've i've cried loads of tears over I've been finding it tricky to breastfeed over the years, definitely.
1: Yeah, I found it very traumatic. And in fact, mentioning Peter's wife, Annie, um, she was the first person who kind of helped me understand how to do it. And before then, mm. I don't know, I just never understood. I just didn't understand how you did it. And then she explained nah. it to me and showed me. And then all of a sudden, it after that, it got easier and I was able to do it. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it's tough. And I think whatever gets you through it is absolutely
0: fine. Mm, um, I agree, and actually, you want to hug those people, don't you, that help you? Oh
1: God, yes. Yeah. Well, They're at least like I want so to marry important. me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, just on the subject of your recovery, how did you find recovering from a cesarean? Was it okay?
0: Um,
1: I've, I've got better at it.
0: <laughs> <are we> <laughs> the expert now. Uh, well, I think as well, like the fact that I wasn't in very good health with kits meant that I was no, it wasn't very quick, but. um but yeah, now I find like, the last one was definitely like the easiest one. Mm. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's slightly luck of the draw as well. Um, because uh, you are actually, as I was helpfully told when I was uh, midway through my fifth pregnancy, uh, your risk of things going wrong um, escalates quite quick after four. But I don't know why that that doctor told really? me. Really? After, it's, after like, four children? After four C-sections. It just, the oh. risk of blood loss or damage to organs... Um, And in fact, she is also the same doctor that asked me if I wanted to be sterilized at the same time I gave birth. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, really nice. Get that done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She was so matter-of-fact, I was like, wow. Wow. Um, Anyway. Oh, well, not really <laughs> sure. not really sure what to say to that. I know, but you do walk out of some of those meetings in a bit of a day. You're like, did someone really just say that to me? Oh, yeah, no. And also, I mean, your brain goes,
1: well, with the martial arts and the pie, <laughs> your brain yeah. goes a bit haywire. It does. So it you might not does. be quite as on it as you ordinarily would be.
0: No, no. And there's some bits of being pregnant. I really like I got so obsessive about cleaning and tidying. Yeah. Particularly in my last pregnancy. I'm like, it was like a superpower. Or like someone had been you know, like when someone's been hypnotized? Like whenever you hear this music, you'll think you must tidy out some weird drawer you've never looked in for like eight years. I suppose um, it's a form of nesting. I know, and it's really useful and I kind of miss it. <laughs> you haven't got it at the moment then. <laughs> no way. No, leave those drawers. Leave those
1: cupboards. Um, what was a moment from any of your births that that you hold as that lovely kind of euphoric we've done this we've got this moment have you got some
0: Uh, I've got I've got them from all of my babies I mean (laughs) I think um the first time I looked at um and Sonny in the in the incubator um it it was incredibly powerful I felt like um you know you gear up so much to have a baby and then I realized I hadn't had a baby I'd had Sonny whoever he is and he just (laughs) happened to be a baby when I met him yeah. and i felt that really strongly like i just had to learn how to to discover who he is and help him you know help him become him really and then um i think the second thing i thought of is when i had my third because he was full term so he was this big chubby baby mm. um and we spent our first you know when he was first born and we had to the first night together and just um that really lovely glow of just holding your chubby baby in your arms and it's just it's just delicious I love it I love the newborn bit like that it's gorgeous
1: well you must love something about it having
0: done it so many times <laughs> yeah I, I think you're the record for both series oh yeah yeah oh come yeah. on there's got to be there's women out there that have done more
1: <laughs> not yeah, not, not that have appeared people. on this <laughs> on this show no, so I'm very impressed mm. um so as um an expert the expert in birth um if you could go back right to the beginning and give yourself a piece of advice,
0: what would you tell yourself? Oh, Blimey, what would I tell myself? Um You know what, I don't know that it would work because um I think I think having such an unexpected beginning to um to having a baby, um, and so one that went so opposite to what I'd planned, mm. in a way that's quite a good introduction because that's so much of parenthood. It's it's so much more reactive than I realized. It's not, it's not about the plans you make. It's about how you respond to the information you are getting and yes, where you are at today, and the person you've had. You know, my children are not; they're not the same person over and over. They're all really different, and they need different things from me, and they respond to different things from me and people around them. And um, I think, in a way, you kind of need that. You need that, like beginning, where you have to learn that. I don't know if I would have understood it if someone had told me. Um. No
1: and I think you're right because this is a bit of a trick question because what I always do with these pieces of advice is something like type them up on bits of paper and take them back to the village where I grew up and pin them on the notice board on the wreck (laughs) no one goes to so no one will ever see them because Mm. I feel
0: like uh, we don't have advice we only have stories um, and we learn as we go along absolutely but I think you know one thing as a more practical bit of advice um, someone did tell me quite early on to always accept help and I actually think that's a good one I think when you're trying to do it all you can feel like you're being a bit silly if you say yes to help whether it be you know helping get your buggy through a doorway or carrying up the stairs or um, giving you a bit of you know an extra pair of hands getting supper ready or any of those things but actually just say yes just say yeah that's great thank you
1: help is always welcome yeah even, always yeah, always <laughs> um well thank you very much um for being such a tremendous guest and sharing uh, your not just expertise um but also the um well you've had a really tough journey I think
0: but seem remarkably upbeat about it so <laughs> it's rather inspirational <laughs> <laughs> well it's not so tough it's not so tough you know there's loads of ways to start a family and that's just what happened to us you know and the kids you know if I put them in a lineup you wouldn't guess those two as being the premature two anyway you know they know they've done really well so it's just what it's just what happened well that's yeah. that's an, a, a <laughs>
1: lovely upbeat note to end on um <laughs> thank Thanks you very life. much it was really Aww. lovely to talk to you and lovely to um, speak to you too and uh, just as a quick plug for your own podcast um oh, yeah. spinning spinning plates which is fantastic and is about well I mean you'll explain it better than me it's about um mums talking about how they juggle
0: yeah, ostensibly. I mean, basically, we we have all in, have in common that we work and we're mums. But actually, the main thing we have in common is we're women. And it's just been a really nice excuse to talk to some really cool women um, from all different fields about, I don't know, I suppose I have spent a lot of time thinking about family life and my work life and trying to kind of recalibrate it in my head for how I've done it. Um, <laughs> so just basically listening to other women helped me give myself permission to to do all that i suppose
1: (laughs) well i think it's it's great and here's to always talking to and about exactly exactly here here thanks so much for listening to one torn every minute hope you enjoyed sophie's tales of giving birth see you next time GreatBigOwl.com Hi there, I'm Yasmin Akram. Join myself and my friend Philippa Dunn each week for our podcast, We Heart Worry, a show about cars and their engines. Obviously not. It's a show where we talk about our fears, our worries and our anxieties in a bid to help you with yours. And we just have a laugh as well. So join us. There's nothing to be scared of. I promise.